0: here and listen to you all night. Me I was too. transported somewhere else. <laughs> weren't you, Naomi? Yeah, yes, I'm, let's just listen to them. I know. <laughs> let's yeah. take a vote. Let's take a vote. You.
1: <laughs>
2: it's true. Oh, they're fantastic. That, yeah. Know. Thank you
0: very much. And we'll, we'll hear more, right? We'll hear oh, yeah. another. All right. Okay. 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 Um, hmm. Well, welcome, everyone, to Living Writers, the first ever live version of the show. Thanks for being part of it, being here tonight. And thanks so much to Naomi Shiabnai for um, being here. My it's honor, you're... honor, my
1: pleasure.
0: <laughs> um, you're the thank, you, gathering. thank you Thank you for having me. Um, mm. And just a quick thanks, um, I, I know that you guys have programs out there, um, or perhaps, but um, I, I wanted to thank some very important people um, that without these people, I would just, uh, there would be, Living Writers would be um, two people sitting in a room having a chat, <laughs> and so um, I'd like to thank Jim Mannheim and Liz Wasson, um, who are sitting here in the front row here, also supporting uh, us even now uh, <laughs> um, uh, for engineering the show, um, and also uh, long-term engineers, um, Brian Delaney, Alex Bell-Hodge, Jesse Johnston, Hugh Stimson, and Alex Sergey, going way back to the April 2007 days. Um, Yes, so thanks very much to Tex and the Liz. Um, And thanks, a quick thanks to Bennett, Eleanor, Carl, Peter, Tyler, Matt, Cameron, and of course, uh, Kristen and Matt, who we just heard um, play the beautiful music um, for us. And so, but enough thanks for now, right, Naomi? Never
2: enough. <laughs> thanks. Never enough. Thanks. All to you. All to you. You're the
0: wrong, the wrong person to say that to. No. Actually, you are a, no. a, a poet of um, joy and gratitude. Always, it seems like. Um, perhaps I, what I'll do is I'll start by reading your short uh, bio, and then we'll go from there, Naomi. Okay. Okay, and then you'll get a chance to speak.
1: <laughs> okay. okay. So,
0: sooner or later. Um, Naomi Shihab Nye describes herself as a wandering poet, I love that. She has spent 35 years traveling the country and the world to lead writing workshops and inspire students of all ages. Nye was born to a Palestinian father and an American mother and grew up in St. Louis, Jerusalem, and San Antonio. Drawing on her Palestinian-American heritage, the cultural diversity of her home in Texas, and her experiences traveling in Asia, Europe, Canada, Mexico, Central and South America, and the Middle East, Naya uses her writing to attest to our shared humanity. Um, Hey Naomi, thanks for doing that. (laughs) Oh thanks.
1: (laughs) Thanks again.
2: For, for, for reading that, I, I didn't write that, by the way, but somebody. Oh, you don't. Wrote it. No, I don't wrote it. who wrote it. I'm sure who wrote it. <laughs> <laughs> well, Sam I think, wrote it. But I, I, I yeah, It's thirty-eight years by now, anyway. Oh, okay. The clock Correct that. Yeah. Right. Um, but, but may I say, with, with with that in mind, I think Ann Arbor is definitely one of the friendliest places I've ever wandered to, and <laughs> I, I will never worry about you all having uh, having trouble finding a good meal here, because every single place, every wonderful cafe and restaurant we've uh, visited in the last week has been just amazing, and and original, and delicious, and it's been so much fun to meet a lot of students in the writing program, so thank you for having me here. It was not my first time in Ann Arbor, but uh, this is definitely my most well-fed time. (laughs) <laughs> in always. ways, it's not over yeah. yet. No, right. no, no, more to right. come.
0: Um, right. Naomi, well, you mentioned visiting Ann Arbor before, and mm. um, earlier in the week on Monday, uh, I think you you took a trip to Martin Luther King yep. um, Elementary School right here, and you love working with young writers, and your many of your books are. Poems
2: for Young Writers. Um, what was the experience
0: like? Well, over at MLK? Uh, does
2: anyone here have a relationship with King Elementary? It's such a beautiful <laughs> school. And the second graders, I saw I saw second graders there two years ago, and then all the second graders this year, uh, they were just so ready to talk, to tell stories, to listen, to uh, look at pictures in a picture book, to ask questions about it. Just it reminds you of um, that. Yesterday I was mentioning in the in the workshop on with the MFA students about just the capacity for wonder just to re- be reminded that we have this sort of human need I felt it listening to you play music just the wonder rises up again and this this feeling of um, I just want to be here I want to be listening. I think that's a gift radio has always given us in our lives you know we have good radio stations and we treasure them for um, just bringing us back to wonder. Uh, no matter what else is happening in the day, or giving us something new to to think about. So uh, being at king was just heavenly. I didn't want to leave. You know, it's the only school I've ever visited anywhere in the world where the hallways are named. And they have those, like, street sign names, things like No Put Down Avenue or, you know, Full Respect Boulevard, things like that. It's very nice. We should do that. We should do that in our houses, schools, everywhere, workplaces. I, I like, by the way, being in a place called Work Gallery. Yeah, Like celebrating work. Right. Roll up Whatever. your
0: sleeves. Right? Yeah. It's yeah.
2: good. And, and with such beautiful art around this. And really... some sawdust. Yeah. It's and very inspiring. Mysterious, so, Yes. So, uh, the element of mystery, like yeah. in poems. Yeah. Right? Element of mystery. So I think you all are, are living here in a, a very, uh, as you know, this is just, uh, you know, somebody coming and telling you things you already know, a deeply supportive, uh, warm hearted, very um, kindly threaded community and when you are a constant traveler um, sometimes you go to communities and you think well this looks like a nice place but you don't feel that at all among the people and here you feel it everywhere so what a difference that is oh thank yeah. you thanks
0: well you you actually um, I I think it's lovely that um, I read that you, when you were seven years old, you were already um, hard at work writing poems. Um, well, hard or not fun. hard at work, hard at fun. fun. Yes, and, and that you actually you sent them out to a publisher
2: yeah. at seven. I started sending my poems out at seven, and I urged people to send stuff out uh, without making too, you know, too officious or. Uh, worried and experience of it uh, but but it was thanks to librarians in my school and in my in my community library who said, Well, you know if you love to write so much i 'd only been writing for a year. Uh, <laughs> you could just send your work out to magazines, and who knows what might happen? something might get published and uh, don't worry if it doesn't get published. And that was, I started out with very good advice from from these kind librarians who, you know, told me what a self-addressed stamped envelope was. <laughs> said you probably had to send out 20 things before one thing would ever get published. And so I was a realist from the beginning. You know, I didn't have the delusion that everyone would love my work. I'm thinking 20 things, and then maybe something. And uh, I had a, a, a very um, keen sense of of uh, just thinking about people in places I hadn't been at, like in the United States or in other countries, so the idea of thinking of know somebody sitting on the edge of the Pacific Ocean or up by the Great Lakes or in New York City where I hadn't been yet um, who would read something you would put in a magazine the idea they could read it if Mm -hmm. it was there that was the impulse it was not any kind of career move at seven (laughs) no no career move that was was just the pleasure of like a pen pal through a magazine you could connect with people whom you had never met so that was fun and it's still fun. And I guess um, maybe the internet serves that kind of connection now in, in a good way, too, for a lot of people.
0: And your father, Aziz, he was a writer, too, what, my writing father, letters, writing, yes. <laughs> writing articles. But,
2: but I would like to say my father started out on radio. When he was 14 years old, he was hired by BBC Radio in Jerusalem to read the evening news, and we used to find the story a little sketchy when we were growing up because we said, Dad, who hired a teenager to read the evening news and then years later I was he, he loved it because he loved radio, he loved the, the power of you know radio waves going out into towns and villages um, across the Palestine he'd grown up in or maybe far even farther in. and uh, so he was exhilarated because his English skills were so good that BBC offered him a job reading the news and years later I saw a documentary about Jerusalem in those days and there was my dad in an oversized BBC official like work shirt with BBC on it with his little news thing reading into a gigantic sunflower sized microphone and it was very touching to me because just to see the first visual image of him doing that. Um, and he said that experience for him was what made him think about wanting to travel in his own life. And so the sense of sending your voice out into the world and wanting to go to place to other places where people might or might not be listening. So he, he later became a print journalist, um, wrote for newspapers, was a newspaper editor. He never liked being an editor as much as being a reporter. Um, and. Uh, but he had a great affection for print newspapers and um, always had them spread out on every table surface in our home and was always urging us to you know, cut out headlines we liked or, or uh, write letters to editors. We could, had to write out of town because we could never write to the ones in our own town. Anyway, he, he was very <laughs> stimulating to uh, a young person who was already in love with words. So I'm always grateful to him. Oh. Uh, Um, Aziz. Aziz. Uh, He wrote a book right before he died. By the way, he did an interesting thing when he was told he would have to have dialysis treatment. He was very scared of of it, uh, of going into dialysis. And he just decided, well, I'll write a new book while I'm on dialysis. I'll just work on it while I'm in that chair where my blood is going through the machine. Is this the memoir? very intense. So this is his last memoir. It came out um, just a few months before he died, and it's called Does the Land Remember Me?, A Memoir of Palestine by Aziz Shihab. And I'm very proud that it just came out in paperback, even though he died four years ago. But Syracuse University Press just brought it out. And and it's a beautiful memoir. I love to read that. Yeah, for anyone who has a sense of connection to um, a place you haven't been for a while, or a place you're somehow separated from, um, it might be a book that that you'd be interested in. It's sort of like going back there and finding all of the, the little connections that are enduring, and I feel that in Ann Arbor, so many people here have connections to so many places that it's encouraging, you know? We're not alone in that. Yes,
0: Yes. and and I love how, Naomi, you have this this way of um, uh, being, uh, pointing out, or coming to, or celebrating like these, like an ordinary, moment or thing or object, and then always blending it right with the the world somehow or reaching out into Things. the world. You just seem That's, to just thank
2: you. do that. That's really nice of you to say. Thank you. And, and even, If you meet nice people like this, you don't ever have to have a book review in your life. <laughs> Who cares? <laughs> thank you, Tim. And I love how the photo
0: that um, that the, the more recent press photo you probably I, I'm wondering and I hope this isn't too personal now we're on like live radio too personal <laughs> <laughs> I wondered if your husband Michael had taken the photo of you on the the bridge because it's a, a no, lovely photo you no? did
2: no it was a young woman I'd never met before because yeah. you seemed so
0: comfortable and I in your her. eyes. They're like in your eyes, I just thought, oh I bet this cause your husband is a photographer, yeah. right? So I made this whole narrative up about how this was happening. But
2: remember that story about how the cobbler's <laughs> children have holes in their shoes. Oh, right. If you live with a photographer, they will never take your picture. <laughs> never. <laughs> Unless no. you're
0: listening now, Michael, please yes. snap a few No, picks. no, you took my
2: picture long ago. But no. <laughs> but I, I really love photography and I love, you know, being you know, open to having pictures taken anywhere you know anybody who wants to. Or. Was
0: it your idea to be on the bridge or were they um, going because it was so symbolic as well.
2: I can't remember whose oh, idea it was <laughs> but she wanted to walk down by the San Antonio River one of oh, the yes. gleaming elements of our city come see it sometime. And you're a block away from it. Yeah them, we then. live right by it and I walk down there every day so she said is there any nice place and I said well we could go down the river here and there's a nice green iron bridge crossing the river so we just stood, stood there you know.
0: So, um, so then leave it to me to actually say the cheesy thing, like, you're about bridges. <laughs> like, no, no, I love bridges. bridges.
2: But, I love bridges, and um, I, I, yeah, no, bridges are, I think, probably these days, one of the most important totemic images that we can all emphasize in whatever work we do. You know, Bridging, whether you're a doctor, or, you know, a lawyer, or an educator, we're always trying to to bridge things, I, I've never understood the the. It seems to come up, you know, every four years in our country. But this, there's some sort of impulse to be such separatists, you know, like how different we are from those people across town or those those people at the certain political rally or whatever. And it just never interested right. me that much in life, you know, figuring out how different we were from everybody, just how many how many bridges we shared or how many how many likenesses we could find, you know. My father always used to talk about when he was growing up, he had um, Palestinian neighbors, Jewish neighbors, Armenian, Greek, um, you know, the whole mixture that Jerusalem has, has been over the years. And, and after dinner, the kids would go outside mm-hmm. and trade desserts and they all liked each other's desserts better. And this of became, of course, <laughs> because it wasn't in your house, so you didn't see it as often. So this became his his kind of image, his metaphor for what politics could be. If we could just find some taste that the people we don't get along with like and, and serve it to them, maybe we could have a better conversation. And so he was always saying, you know, peace talks, we need desserts. And
0: Is that why and, he made the
2: Palestinian cookbook? Well, pr- probably so. He wanted to share the taste of... that that was another book of his called A Taste of Palestine where he wanted to share you know little memoir stories from his childhood and then he also included recipes and that book was quite a hit it had four printings sold out Gourmet Magazine said this is the only Palestinian cookbook anyone will ever need I hope that wasn't an insult but I mean (laughs) he he took it as a compliment like wow I got a review in Gourmet Magazine I'm not even really a chef and um so he was very happy but um that was a beautiful little book. Maybe it'll come out again. Yeah. But he really, he, he was such a such a connector, you know, and, and, and so we grew up with that idea. You know, and also growing up on the Mississippi River where bridges are a big part of your life. And, In St. Louis. Yeah, the St. early, Louis early years. That, the, yeah, St. Louis. And some, some of the bridges made sounds when you would drive over them. Mm-hmm. And so bridges had their different personalities. And just that sense <laughs> that, you know, bridges do exist. And uh, to go down to the Mississippi and see it flowing, to go up to Hannibal, to... Read Mark Twain to just think about you know all mm-hmm. the connections, time and uh, you know and, and reading always seemed like a bridge to me, you know, a bridge to all the people you haven't met or would like to meet. To just, history, to everybody.
0: I, I was I think I was reading the Detroit Metro Times, um, your your interview with one of the writers there where um, they had said. Um, well, they, you were just saying it would be nice. Like, have these politicians not read a book? <laughs> like, yeah. when some of their ideas that they right. they were um, espousing, um, it seemed like how could you yeah. be saying this? But right. but let's let's talk about your latest book, Transfer, um, the collection from Boa. Um, oh, I'd like to give a shout out to Boa Editions Limited, yes, Peter nice. Connors. Um, these are wonderful
2: people, Boa. Moa,
0: That's Rochester, a, New York. It's a sticker, we can throw that out into the crowd. Yeah.
2: Uh, great, <laughs> great poetry press. Yes. yes. very nice people.
0: And a beautiful book. And this the uh, transfer. Um, and this book is uh, speaking of your father Aziz. This this book is dedicated to him, and really is he's filling the book his voice. Right, his
2: his voice and his life and his death, and then how it's also about. It was really a book that I worked on. Um, I mean, the word transfer had. Many yes. impulses for me, but um, but that sense that, that we're always you know trying to find out. This is an actual Southwest Airlines transfer tag. Maybe I should send one to them. But um, <laughs> but that sense that that we're always you know finding out when someone very very dear to us dies. You know how has how have the elements that, that we loved in them or the things that were important to them? How have those things transferred into us? How do we pass those on? Um, how do we carry their their spirit? You know, just the transfer of of beloved material and and we're doing that all the time in the world you know whenever anyone um you know physically leaves us but you know then we have to reckon with why is their presence suddenly bigger and why are they everywhere and so um that that sense of just looking at that and and really some of them were poems just to try to comfort myself and a few of them that i put in here um surprised me i didn't think they were things i would ever want to in a book um, some of the first Which, what, what, what do you mean well they, I mean they were just that. things I was writing in my notebook that I didn't really I wasn't ever thinking in, in the beginning of that I'm writing a book of poems for him but uh, but as four years went along suddenly it seemed like um, there was a book gathering and, and a book I wanted to be for him thinking about his voice and and I do think it's incredibly comforting to write about um, loved ones who who have died it's not it's not depressing in any way it's um, it's heartening you feel their spirit, their voice living in you more strongly. Um, one thing, there's a little section in here of 11 poems. One thing that I did um, was I, I I wasn't able to open his notebooks for about two years after he died, I just couldn't do it. And But then one day suddenly I just wanted to see his lines on the page, his handwriting. And I started opening notebooks and finding that just, like, just the same way poets do, there were all these scattered floating lines, not attached to anything, not attached to a story or another paragraph or anything and I, I, I would think was that something he was going to write or just kind of just a wisp that was floating through his mind and so I wrote down maybe 30 of them and then 11 of them turned into poems till now 11 of them and the, the big surprise though for me was when I wrote his line down I thought I'll use his lines as the titles but when I started working on the poems they came out in his voice which I had not anticipated at all I had not thought about you know suddenly trying to write as my father, it seems a little weird. But it was so comforting to do that, that maybe i should I yes, read one? that would be okay, wonderful. Read one. Um, well, so, is this, this is your copy of the book, or is it? Oh, it yeah, is. I, guess, I don't know. So, this line was floating, and, and I knew what he was referring to, because I think it was very hard when he initially left um, Palestine that so many people. He was the only person he knew of his generation who was leaving at that moment to go to the U.S. as a student. He got a scholarship to go to university, and when he was asked where did he want to go in the United States, he said, send me to the middle, thinking that he would have um, easy access to both coasts. But he was sent to Kansas, and so it took him a little while to see anything beyond Kansas, but he was haunted in the first years in this country by by all the people, this line, many asked me not to forget them. And I think he was always haunted by that all his life. Where do you keep all these people? The shoemaker with his rumpled cough, the man who twisted straws into brooms. My teacher, oh my teacher, I will always cry when I think of my teacher. The olive farmer who lost every inch of ground, every tree, who sat with head in his hands in his son's living room for years after. I tucked them into my drawer with cufflinks and bow ties, touched them each evening before I slept, wished them happiness, peace, peace in the heart. No wonder we all got heart trouble. But justice never smiled on us. Why didn't it? I tried to get Americans to think of them. But they were too involved with their own affairs to imagine ours. And you can't blame them, really. I always did feel sad in the back of my mind for places I didn't have enough energy to worry about." And he was haunted as a journalist um, by uh, just people saying, well, where is that place? or So people are suffering there, never even heard of the place. That happened all the time to him as a journalist. And and so his country was only one of the many places that he he yearned for more people to think about, the kind of empathy. Uh, By the way, my father was very, very um, absolute in his conviction that Arab people and Jewish people were not only cousins, but sisters and brothers. And that they had to figure this thing out someday soon, because it was ridiculous to keep this... Um, going on with the conflict for so many lives, and he had such uh, close Jewish friends in his own life, as I always have, and uh, felt such a, a camaraderie of spirit and desire for uh, politics or power or money or lobby or whatever you want to call it, not to not to uh, erase the possibility of this incredible closeness. So that was something he, he died, probably frustrated feeling. You know, well, I wish I could have seen it take a stronger hold. But he always was excited about projects like Seeds of Peace or, Mm -hmm. or any project that brought Arab people and Jewish people together, because he said that's that's how it should be and that's how it was meant to be and that's how it was when I was growing up. So, you know, why are all these politicians getting in the way? (laughs) And um, he loved the quote as do I. Peace is far too important to be left to politicians, and and would often, you know try to bring groups together in kind of dialogue or just sharing of culture you know he often started clubs that would last about two years and um, where it was just a sharing of culture we're not going to have any political arguments we're just going to get together share food share music and um, tell stories and and uh, those clubs were great. So I grew up going to those clubs, you know, wherever we lived.
1: Yeah.
0: And it seems like he might have gotten some of that from his mother, your grandmother, yeah. who lived to be
2: 106. That's right. Yes, his mother was a very strong advocate of peace. Right before her death, she said, "I never lost my peace inside." That's... I don't know what's wrong with all these other people, but I never lost my peace. And uh, she was kind of a, a village hero type uh, person. And and uh, most touchingly to me after her death. Um, this professor from Hebrew University came and found me in Jerusalem and he said, I've got to talk to you. Um, Your grandmother changed my life. And I said, how is that possible? I I don't think she ever stepped onto a university campus in her her entire 106 years. And he said, well, I was doing a project back in 1968 um, on, on Arab people and the village and I wanted to go to the village so after she had lost her home my father's family lost their home in Jerusalem they had gone to a village up in the West Bank which is between Ramallah and Nablus it's called Sinjum and uh, he said I went up there and and found your grandmother and she was sort of a matriarch and asked her if I could uh, find a place to rent because I wanted to interview Arabs he was fluent in Arabic and and, uh, she helped me and she took me in and in fact um, I fell in love with her she changed my life and and so it was no longer a project because now I cared about it in a less objective way. It became very subjective to me, and so he was going on and on. It was just so moving to me. I just thought, why did she ever tell me about this guy? <laughs> she told me about so many things, but she told everyone, you know, about so many things. So. Uh, but that was the kind of person she was. People who didn't know her would would bring their problems to her, you know, in the kind of the old-fashioned way, like. You set your problem down in front of someone. Now help me solve it. And and she always used to say she didn't want to die till everybody she didn't like died first. Okay. And no one could figure out who that was because she liked everybody. So we thought, man, she's going to live forever. is amazing. So, so you've got she, good genes. Yeah, she was, I hope. She was very very loving and she would have just been amazed you know to meet you all or to go to a place where people are so friendly that would have been to her like the model experience she loved radio by the way you know she listened to radio coming in she could hear radio from Jerusalem and also from Jordan Mm -hmm. and uh, she always was listening to radio all of her all of her days
0: is is there one of because she surfaces in your poems too is there
2: one of of... sure I have a short one here for, for her um so, uh, she uh, she didn't even know all the names of all of her grandkids and great-grandkids, and when I she took her so to many. task for that, yeah, she had so many. <laughs> and one time I said, you know, that's that's bad if you don't even know the names of your own relatives. She said, why should I know their names? I say, come over here, and they come. <laughs> In Arabic, but she's um, got a point. Yeah, she was a character. <laughs> and uh, completely fearless I had no fear of, of anything except maybe of elevators and, uh, and, and escalators she didn't like things like that and, and airplanes, oh, and airplanes, airplanes Yeah. so I wrote this poem for kids originally but I, but I put it in this book um, Stain she scrubbed as hard as she could with a stone dipping the cloth, twisting the cloth she knew the cloth much better than most having stitched its vines of delicate birds. The red, the blue, the purple beaks. A tiny bird with head held high. A second bird with fanning wings. Her fingers felt the folded hem. The water in her pen was cool. She stood outside by the lemon tree. Children chattered around her there. She told all children, take care, take care. What would she think of the world today? She died when she was 106. So many stains would never come out. She stared at the sky, the darkening rim. She called to the children, come in, come in. She stood on the roof, tears on her face. What was the thing she never gave up? The simple love of her difficult place. Thank you, Neil. Oh, thank you. Thank you. That's. I once took an Irish poet to meet her in the village and uh, which, which uh, Nuala Archer was her name. And, and Nuala had a grandmother who was 102 at the time. <laughs> and so Nula was, we were talking through my cousin and so I'm translating for both of us quickly. And uh, Nuala said, you know, I have a grandmother looks kind of like you, she's in Ireland, she's 102. And she likes kids too and everything. And my grandmother was listening to all this very seriously and then she said in Arabic, do you think she would trade places with me? <laughs> and I thought that was very interesting because she had never left that country except to go to Mecca because she was a devout Muslim and wanted to go to Mecca, but she had never expressed the desire to travel anywhere. It's the only time I ever heard. So I thought, wow, maybe she's just getting tired of all this all this ruckus and tear gas all the time she wants to. And Nula said, I don't think so. <laughs> I think she'd want to come here. But, but she loved her place very much. Yeah. And, um, so.
0: It seems like it's just wonderful that you have because you have. You talked about your your father's voice surfacing in those those poems in transfer. It, it seems like these, your family, your ancestry is coursing through you in some way of strength that. Well, even even in this uh, letter from Naomi Shihab Nye, Arab American poet, to any would be terrorists. Um, after September 11th, this this seems like a very... I, I feel like your father taught you also to speak out and to reach out, yeah. and this seems like it was a really brave thing that you wrote mm-hmm. at that time. Um, and you call upon, they're in it, like your, your father and your grandmother yeah. are in this. And as are um, the children that you say, right. maybe
2: um, you should pay attention to some of the children. Pay attention to yeah. more children. Yeah. I always think we need to pay more attention to more children. And and, when we're feeling kind of exhausted or beleaguered as adults, just to go babysit for someone or spend a little time (laughs) with a three-year-old, will bring you back um, to to a certain kind of refreshed consciousness, to to that capacity for wonder that that I think poetry holds at its heart. And and we all need it as adults, no matter what we do. We need to be reminded of that, that all the time. And, and I think you know you're so generous to in what you've said, but I think for all of us here who write or uh, whoever scribble things down in notebooks of in any genre at all, you know you often feel that mysterious um, possibility of of voices uh, coming through you. You know it could be the voice of your long ago teacher that you haven't even thought of in years, or the voice of mm. a neighbor, um, you know, from from childhood coming through you and. And, uh, or just maybe your own child voice coming through you again and, and there's that wonderful possibility of, of putting language on a page that more is invited to be present you know, and you don't have to plan it all out in advance and you don't have to know, you know exactly what is my project here where is this going and, and be official about it you know, sometimes just open up to those voices that want to stream through you um, I heard that C.D. Wright was here on Monday and yes. I love her book called One with Others mm-hmm. uh, and I just read it at Christmas time in Honolulu actually and I, 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 it's such an incredible book which, which integrates you know, history, news stories, people she knew and loved, um, people in a larger story. It's a great example of how, how we're all sort of channels and vessels. You just feel these voices coming through C. D. Wright in that book uh, that are carrying you along on a wave and you think, you know, this is possible if you pay good enough attention to to the world around us.
0: And I think you also said at some, somewhere uh, with your notebook, if you have your notebook, you'll never be lonely right? as well.
2: Yeah, I always have my notebook.
0: What does yours look like? What is uh, it? Which?
2: Right now. It looks like this, There's has an eye on it. But usually I carry little tinier, tinier ones than this, but someone gave me this one as a gift. I like this eye. Oh, yes. But, uh, but you know, over the years, uh, notebooks take many forms, many shapes, but I think everybody should have one at all times. Never be without a notebook, as crucial as a toothbrush. And, um, and I still like to write with pencil because I like that soft little scratchy sound that we first heard. Well, at least we first heard I don't know about you guys. But, um, <laughs> click, 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 click. Yeah, the sound. So, um, yeah, The Notebook is a good friend.
0: And are you still, um, your writing process, Naomi, are you still rising at 4 a.m., as you said, in the Library of
2: Congress? Yes, interview? usually 4, 4.30, 5. Um, mm-hmm. Sometimes when I'm on the road, if I stay up really late, I, I, I sleep in a little bit. But I always have written in the morning. Yes. Well, and I urge everybody, why? just if you like to write, just find, find a time when... Uh, no one likes you much. And you have plenty of time to think about words.
0: And why is that your time? What is well, it's it, just a, a good time, time to be
2: private. It's solid. so solitary. Yeah.
0: Oh, one minute? Okay. okay. So um, I think what we're going to do is... Um, Go, shall we go to a break and have a short musical interlude and then reconvene? Um, Kirsten, Matt, would you mind doing the honors? Uh, no. Yes? Okay, wonderful. Um, and Naomi, as they're setting up, would, would, you, you mind, yeah, would, you. Would, would you mind
1: reading that oh, another song? Ah, settle down, settle down, we're
2: going to have a poem. (laughs) Since we just talked about kids, this was written for a boy who's now in middle school on his first day of life. How far is it to the land we left? On the first day of his life, the baby opens his eyes and gets tired doing even that. He cries when they place a cap on his head. Too much, too much. Later the whole world will touch him and he won't even flinch. Um, interestingly, you know, knowing that I wrote this, this is the only person I know who wrote a very profound personal essay on the day he heard Osama bin Laden had died. Um, this middle school student, on his own, was not an assignment, and his father was so moved by what he wrote that he sent it to me, and I thought, what an irony that in this poem I refer to, later the whole world will touch him and he won't even flinch. And here he's such a such a sensitive human being that he's not only flinching, but he's taking the time to really look at a headline. What does this really mean in terms of a big world picture? And it was such a deep essay, so profound. Anyway, um, writing about kids is always a good place to go. Yes, thank you.
0: And so now some music from Kirsten and Matt. Thank you.
2: the UCBN FM, Ann Arbor,
0: Hearing a little bit more from you too at, at the when we're good night. saying goodnight. That's thank you. Oh, that was lovely again. Wow. Aren't you lulled to guess, sort of yeah, <laughs> so
2: beautiful. Thank you,
0: <laughs> Naomi. I also had wanted to say I, I love how in transfer um, the book um, how you were saying transfer means many things, and this is like a Southwest tag. It's all, yeah. But that your dad had also all these bus transfers, and yeah. when you were a kid. He would yeah. say, well, we're getting a, a,
2: a, it. I was fascinated by bus transfers as a kid. You know, when you went from one bus to the other, and you had to click that little thing and get a little ticket. And I just thought it always seemed kind of random. Like, couldn't you just make them up and get on any bus? And <laughs> they just seemed like they could be any scrap of paper. But and, and my father was very particular about this is the transfer for that bus. And, yeah, I, I just like the whole concept of transferring, moving around. Yeah.
0: And how did you yeah. decide that would be... When did it come to you that that would be the title of the book that it was, was just, about your tag? I, I just
2: decided because I like the baggage tag. <laughs> and I like the color of it and the way it looked and, um, was and this, the Was this it. actually your tag? Yeah, that's my tag. Okay. my tag. And I actually did design the cover, too, against a black a black uh, sky, which I really liked. And then the boa agreed to do it. And then on the back is the days when we were riding around on buses together, an eight-year-old picture. It's my dad. It's so. So, so, Would
0: would you would you mind reading the poem "Ringing" that's on the back of the book? No, I wouldn't. And then maybe, and then we'll pass the book around so everyone can see it. Oh, that's (laughs) so sweet. Such a beautiful photo.
2: Well, maybe some of you have had this experience with someone just talking about having lost someone. "Ringing," I'm sorry you lost your father, people say, and I step outside to soak in stripes of gray cloud. Hand touches iron rail. You needed it, I don't. Blood circulating under skin and time, that blurred sky shifting. Air holds everyone, visible or not. Sliced lemon you craved by your teacup, strange affection for chipped ice. Maybe the right wind brings a scent of smoldering twigs, fresh water over stone. Maybe tonight your laughter carpets our rooms. I keep finding you in ways you didn't know I noticed or knew. Every road, every sea, every beach by every sea keeps lining up with what you loved. Here's a line of silent palm trees. It's as if you answered the phone. So, um, comfort, that poem was comforting. I actually wrote that poem. I was asked to visit the Center for Bereaved Children, in San Antonio, a place I had never known existed. They were serving 800 children at the time I went there and the, the children were writing a special poem for the event we were doing together and, and they asked me if I would write one so I wrote that one for that event um, uh, so it, it, it really makes me think of them and and also reading with them was very humbling because here were you know eight year olds who had lost their fathers and I was thinking how much more time I'd had with mine, but um, so the comfort of the comfort of language and sound and music and all the things that connect us, carry us along. So, yes. did you want me to read something? Oh yes, at yes, um, I would love that. So from your my very most recent book is a book of sh- of very short stories. It's called There Is No Long Distance Now. So I'm just going to read you how this book came into being. And if any of you are um, in situations where you're getting assignments and you resent it sometimes, like, I don't really want that assignment right now. Um, I remember that feeling. But when you're away from the world of specific assignments, you may kind of miss them. There's something very touching about having someone ask you to do something by a certain date. Um, It's helpful sometimes. So um, I still try to take them from random places sometimes, assignments, but this is how this book came to be. This is the beginning of the introduction. A message arrived. Do you have any short stories, 1,000 words or less? I wrote back, no, I do not. Thank you. A second message arrived. Please send us some of your short stories immediately. 1,000 words or less. I walked around. I swept the porch. I sat down and wrote one. (laughs) It seemed possible (laughs) So this book came to be very quickly um, Much more quickly than most of my books The introduction goes on from there But um, I actually wrote all the 40 stories that are in the book In a very compact period of time There was only one that I pulled in from like two years before that I had written And and then I made it short It was like a 2,000 word story But so sometimes, um, you know, when you're kind of looking for something to do Just, you know, maybe that that cat or a picture in here Could give us an assignment of our own um, I think I think poets sort of think in that way and and it can be helpful just feeling more connected to, to things around us
0: and when, and when you're working, Naomi, are you having um, multiple projects going at once, or do you become then sort of obsessed with then there is you know no long distance now, one thousand words or less?
2: No, I'm always doing multiple projects at once. It's like someone described it once as having. When you cook dinner you usually have more than one pot on the stove doing something and they're in different stages of readiness or something in the oven and i like that feeling of stirring here and you know sauteing over here and kind of doing things at once i think everything is in in the in the artistic realm too everything is um it nourishes everything else you know there's a kind of collaborative nourishment so you know people who both paint and write you know, great to be doing it at once, or play music and and write, or or any any th- different things, mixture of things you might do. Um, I, I really think sometimes um, we're here in the world to encourage each other um, in the ways that that writing, all the writers we ever read who encouraged us. You know, that kind of gives you a little, a little a, a something you carry. It's. It's not, not a responsibility, but just some sense of this gift that you're passing on. I mean, I feel like Henry David Thoreau gave me so much when I was 16 years old. And I still refer to it. I still go back to it all the time. And, you know, when I meet a kid who says they've never heard of Thoreau, have no idea who that is, you know, then you feel compelled, like you just want to give them give them Did you read Walden then? Did oh, I fell his... in love with Walden. I really felt that it marked marked me. I fell in love with Kerouac. I mean, I know it's an interesting combo, um, but when I was about 18, and I always would think, look at these two guys living in the state of Massachusetts, so close together, you know, close terrain, and what different lives they led, and, and what passionate writers they both were. But that was inspiring, you know, to like two people who were so seemingly, seemingly different. Um, I just got the greatest email from my favorite brother-in-law. He's about 67 years old, I guess. He lives in New Zealand, and he just wrote me, have you ever read The Dharma Bombs? And I'm like, oh, my God. I wrote back, yeah. It's like the greatest book I read when I was 18. And uh, he said, it's changed my life. So (laughs) happy I found this book and I said C eighty seven. Yeah. Yeah. Oh that's amazing. He is like a Dharma bum too, so how perfect for him to find the book right now. And I couldn't believe we'd never talked about it in you know all these years, all the books we talk about, that we never talked about that one. But he, he just felt uplifted by it and you know, wanting to tell everybody he knows, everybody he meets in New Zealand, have you read the Dharma Bums? I said, Wow. It's very
1: nice.
0: And it's so wonderful that you bring that up too, Naomi. That seems like so many serendipitous things happening because a dear colleague of ours that actually died last year, um, um, Matt, he, um, that was one of his favorite books. So oh, really? It's a, and it's so interesting that then yeah. this comes that up. That is interesting because I mean, don't um, often
2: mention yes. that book. And, and tonight, earlier, we had with us in the audience a young man who's a new student here yes. who um, uh, is from one of the greatest schools I've ever visited in the wide world. It's called Taism the American International School of Muscat in Oman. And he was a student there, and he comes up, what are you doing here? So, <laughs> and, and, uh, and you think you have And I actually, actually carry a package of notes about this big with me on this trip, and I have them in my room that the students gave me. I asked them all, what would you tell a, a visitor to this country that they should not miss? Just tell me one place or one thing that you think someone should... should de- pay attention to or go find and um, and I think there may be a note from this guy in this pack that I'm carrying in Ann Arbor so I thought what a weird you know how, how words and Recommendations go on. I'm still working on the book I was working on a few years ago when I met him, so that's why I'm still carrying those notes. I don't always carry them.
0: And people tease poets, right? That everything's connected, or that people they're saying that. People should tease poets. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Need, they need to be more provoked. Yeah.
2: yeah, yeah. We but, like to be teased.
0: Yeah, but it's true. But things are connected. I mean, you can't deny that. That yeah, everything is connected.
2: Are... It really is connected. Yeah, and and I think that um, you know the. The, the wide world is hungry for that reminder sometimes because for some strange reason um official officialdom often wants to disconnect or or say you know there's there's this big this big uh brouhaha going on maybe some of you have received the emails too that in tucson arizona uh there's been a, a thing this the past few weeks about canceling no more ethnic studies can be taught and Arizona. No more Latino literature, and Jeez. I'm reading these things and thinking, is this a joke? Is this a bad joke? Why, who would be doing this at this moment in yeah. history? How can Senator John McCain
0: still be there and well, hold his head up?
2: Yeah, but all of, the, all of the ways people try to disconnect us. I mean, you saw my governor <laughs> uh. <laughs> <laughs> on the world stage, on the, on the U.S. stage anyway, I should say that. No, really, such a joke. Um, well, anyway, yeah, that's true. We won't go into those yeah. areas. But but disconnection—I just think about it a lot. You know, why are we always trying to disconnect from people, or to say, "You guys out there, you're you're wrong," you know, "You're doing a bad job," or "You're whoever you are," and uh, and you hear that all the time in so many ways, and it's, and it happens in public schools and education, teachers being told they aren't teaching right if they're teaching with passion or conviction or originality, and you know, so it comes up in so many different realms. Where I think part of our job as poets is to try to be reminders of, or as writers, remind everybody how many connections there could be. So, you know, we need that message, I guess. It yeah. seems like you take the mission of
0: being a poet or writing poems very, and seriously, and with a sense of humor, not that it's... Um,
2: and Yeah, and I still do sort of carry that thought that every, we're all poets, you know, that, that everybody's a poet. And like you say, William our, Stafford said, when did you stop becoming a poet? Yeah, poem? William Stafford said, all little children are poets, and some of us just try to keep up the habit. And, um, you know, that idea that we think in poems, clumps of images, mm-hmm. layers, uh, we're all, w- when you remember, it's poetry. When you tell a story, it's often poetry. You know, the way that things occur, you know, we're, we're all carrying that, so I don't really separate poets that much from any other people. But just our tendency to
0: to, the to notebook tendency to talk about things. The, the notebook, notebook
2: tendency and our tendency to talk a lot.
0: <laughs> Let's can we can we hear yeah.
2: some another so poem? So did you want me to read that poem? I did read it at the reading the other night, but did oh, you, you know what? Timeless? I'd like you
0: to read whatever you'd love to read or like to read. At this, this this. Okay. Well,
2: moment. you all are just um, so generous and friendly, <laughs> and lovely, that I will read you. Um, boy and mom at the Nutcracker Ballet. There's no talking in this movie. It's not a movie. Just watch the dancers. They tell the story through their dancing. Why is the Nutcracker mean? I think because the little boy broke him. Did the little boy mean to? Probably not. Why did the nutcracker stab his sword through the Mouse King? I liked the Mouse King. So did I. I don't know. I wish that part weren't in it. You can see that girl's underpants. It's not underpants. It's a costume called a tutu. That's the same word as grandma in Hawaiian. Are those really gems on their costumes? Do they get to keep them? Is that really snow coming down? No, it can't be. It would melt and their feet get wet. I think it's white paper. Aren't they beautiful? They are very beautiful. But what do the dancers do when we can't see them, when they're off the stage and they're not dancing? Do you have any more pistachios in your purse? (laughs) <laughs> well, I didn't realize until so I was writing that down later after the event, this is many years ago when our son was little um, That it was kind of funny to have someone asking you for nuts at the nut <laughs> But even funnier to me is last week my husband and I went to a fantastic concert by Lady Smith Black Mombazo And we'd never heard them live and it was just so, so great and at the intermission, my husband leans over and says, "Do you have any pistachios?" In I said, "My God, this is like uh, your history repeating itself." Yes, I do. In fact, I always carry them. though. No. and so I, I do, and I gave them to him. So I thought that's crazy. I didn't even know if he's, you know, read that in twenty years. And, um, so the poems are around us. I always tell kids, you know, the poems are around you every day. You don't have to make them up. Just look around. You know, it's, she has one. He has one. Everybody has many. So your memory will give them to you the more you invite them. So, um, so,
0: so it's just a part of life. And so we, should, we shouldn't think about them only for times yeah. of great joy or
2: sadness. Right. right? No, like it's no, just no, everybody It doesn't require intense emotion. It just requires kind of a certain, uh, as William Stafford, who came to Ann Arbor many times, I learned yesterday, used to say, a certain tip of the head. You know, you just kind of tilt your head a certain way. Um, You might be saying, this is a really bad day. But if you tip your head another way, you might see something else. And that was always a good reminder. You know, by the way, I really love the word arbor. One of my other (laughs) favorite schools in the world is the Arbor School in Portland, Oregon. And um, just arbor, what it is, is such a generous word and growing and plants. And it's a beautiful word to have in the name of your town, so
0: you'll have to come Lucky back you. in the spring, Naomi, yeah. and see when the
2: trees come back and with all the leaves. It must be amazing. It is, yes. And is that when the sun shines? <laughs> so often, often. It shines often. in the spring. <laughs> Many, I, di- many days. I was here in the summer before, oh, and it was shining. It was shining. Yeah. yeah. Oh, well, thank you all very much for, well, Naomi, for listening. And I want to cheer for this. Oh, the Ugly um, Mug. The it Ugly Hipsalante. Mug Coffee. Yes, WCBN 40th Anniversary Blend. This is the most beautiful coffee bag I've ever seen in my life. I'm keeping it forever, Ugly Mug. I'm like, <laughs> even when it's empty, it's going to be standing on the wall in my kitchen. Thank you for that. It's gorgeous. Thanks. Thank you. And um, <laughs> and for all the the good-spirited um, adventures of Arbor. Thank you all for for sharing um, some time with us this evening. And
0: well, Naomi, thank you so much for your for your poems, for being here, talking with us tonight, Be, being part of the 40th anniversary of WCBN, um, and, and it's so amazing too that your fa- your family has these connections to radio. Yeah. Your dad and the BBC and right. your grandmother's. So, it's, it's, it's there. Thank yeah. you so much. Thank you, thank you for having for me for being here Lovely this evening. To you thank you all for being <laughs> here. to hear more from Kirsten and Matt. And um, what, what are you guys gonna play? What's the name of your, your song? We've got some sirens oh, outside. Good luck. I don't know what we're gonna play.
1: Okay, <laughs> but. <laughs> yeah, but what are gonna play?
0: <laughs> well, let's see, well, um, Thank you all again for coming as they're, like, kind of picking out a song. Um, and also, since we're broadcasting, uh, maybe some shout-outs. Thanks for um, listening out there in the world, um, in Florida, Seattle, Chicago. Maybe some folks in San Antonio. Oh, thank you know. all. Friends of radio. <laughs> thank the Friends you. of radio all, yeah. yes. Yeah. And, and you're going to actually um, be... Uh, speaking on Thursday at the at the Art Gallery, at the UMA, at the University of Michigan Museum of Art.
2: Helmut um, Stern Auditorium at 5.
0: Yes. Tomorrow. And yeah. that's, and, um, oh, tomorrow. 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 Okay. Sorry. Yeah. Oh right, Thursday.
1: <laughs> what <laughs> plan am I on? I'm so I'm so
0: dazzled by what's just happened in the last hour. I I don't know what day of the week it is. Um, but yes, so Naomi, you'll be you'll be there, and it, be there it's again. a and it's a talk. Can you tell us the it's a talk. the talk? It's talk is
2: called "There Is No Long Distance Now," <laughs> yes. and it's um, it's an essay that I've written for the. For, I've never read it out loud or anything, and I'll I'll be adding poems and, and talking around it too.
0: Oh, wonderful. Well, well, thank you.
2: Thanks again, thank Naomi. Thank you so much, and T. You are a beautiful interviewer, and anyone who gets to talk to you is lucky. Ah, <laughs> uh, T. Hansel, that's oh, yeah. for her. Oh, okay. yeah.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, so <laughs> Thanks, everybody.
0: Thanks, everybody. And now now for Kirsten and Matt. Take it away.
1: Okay. Uh, Please. you. <laughs> 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 ta
2: week on Wednesday, the free movie night. That said, thank you, and have a good night. Oh, and
1: books for sale by and books. And, um, and
2: Naomi, would you like And thank you to Nicola for having the books here. Yeah, thank yes. you so much. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you all for coming. You're beautiful. you so nice.